0: Our friends from Healthy Bud just launched a new exciting product and our dog Zippo has been absolutely obsessed. Their mini training treats are packed with superfoods like lion's mane, reishi and salmon oil to support brain health and with over 500 treats per bag and just one calorie per treat you can rest assured that you're providing guilt-free taste and nutrition in every bite. To grab a bag yourself or a few, head over to us.healthybud.co and use our code FP20 to save 20% on your first order.
1: to the Family Pups Podcast. As you know, this is where we have conversations about the most commonly requested dog training and dog behavioral issues. And so Tanya, so what are we talking about today?
0: Today we're going to talk about enrichment and what it means and how we can incorporate it into our lives so that we can help our dogs live better lives.
1: Enrichment. That's definitely something that I've heard a little bit about, but I'm sure most people haven't heard or understand what that means. So in the context of dog training, what does enrichment mean?
0: Mm -hmm. The easiest way to think of enrichment is meeting our dog's needs meeting our dog's physical needs, behavioral needs, and instinctual needs as well. So looking at the dog that we have in front of us, their breed, their tendencies, what they enjoy, some of their instinctual behaviors that they like doing, which we may not necessarily perceive as appropriate. And then thinking about how can we provide the best amount of physical exercise, mental stimulation, behavioral enrichment through training, and instinctual outlets for their needs, such as letting them sniff, letting them chase a squirrel up a tree from time to time, giving them designated areas where they can dig if they really love digging. So looking at the dog we have in front of us and figuring out a way that we can help satisfy their needs in the best way that we possibly can.
1: I mean, that's interesting. If we have a dog that likes chasing rabbits or squirrels or likes to dig, I'm sure that's a little bit in conflict with the things that we might want, right? We walk around and we don't want our dog just chasing squirrels all the time. How do you advise certain dog parents on how to deal with that where they get an equal amount of what they're looking for in their life with their dog. And they're ensuring that the dog gets that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to remember that we have bred dogs for certain traits and for specific jobs for thousands of years. And a lot of those jobs and behaviors are no longer accepted or appropriate, but those dogs still have those needs in them. So, We can work with our dogs in a way that can allow them to satisfy their needs and also allow us to feel good about it. An example that I can give is with our dog Zippo. Zippo is definitely a hunter. So small critters, mice, uh, squirrels are his jam. He loves it. So when we walk around, I usually walk him on a long leash because I want him to have the opportunity to sniff around and explore as he desires. And let's say we're walking around, we live right next to a park, so there is a field, and then there is a squirrel. So Zippo looks at this squirrel, he is now still, he has one leg lifted up in that stalking mode. I can see that he's very much into <laughs> the intention of chasing the squirrel. So I want to see how much can Zippo respond to me in this moment? And I've obviously worked on recall with Zippo quite a lot. So what I do there is I can ask him to come to me. So I say, Zippo, come. And if he's able to disengage from the squirrel and come to me, I am going to release him. Okay. To go and chase that squirrel right after. So in a more geeky term, I'm going to use the pre principle, which is if you associate one action which is less likely to be performed with another that is naturally reinforcing, that first action is more likely to be repeated. In the popular culture, this is that saying, what was it eat your broccoli and then you get dessert yeah i guess <laughs> yeah so that's the prima or principle. your veggies something like that yeah so that's the prima principle in work in our human end of the leash but we can work with our dogs and incorporate the types of training and the things that we want our dogs to do around let's say critters so that we can feel empowered that if we want our dogs dogs to come when we call them even in the presence of a a squirrel we can feel confident that they can do so but then also not deprive them from the opportunity to express that instinct of chasing the squirrel obviously I let him do so just because squirrels are pretty far away and they're very fast there is usually a tree nearby so no squirrel has been hurt in this uh,
1: <laughs> you're just setting him up to fail, you're like, hey, go after the score, you're not going to get him anyway, huh?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I just want him to just get adrenaline rush from doing something that he's been programmed to do.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes we forget about that, right? We just want our dogs to do what we want, but I think, you know, we wrote about it in a blog post you're much more likely to get what you want when you give a little bit of what your dog wants or even a person too and so just requiring obedience without looking for opportunities to be like okay I know what you want and I'm gonna do my best to give you that and another thing that I thought about too was didn't we get a uh, a product from Westpaw where it was like some squirrels inside of Instead yes, of a log zippy, thing. Zippy paws. Zippy yes. paws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a really nice happy medium too because today was the first snow day outside. So, it's, you know, we're going to have a little bit more of that. So if you want to have some enrichment activities that will still activate this desire to chase after small critters in tight spaces, you know, having toys like that is, you know, a good substitute uh, when you're a little bit more indoors. And that's why there's so much more of a popularity of these different enrichment toys out in the marketplace.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we can dive deeper into a lot of the toys, the tools that are available on the market with our guests as we continue our conversation.
1: Yeah, amazing. So let's introduce our guest today. Our guest today is Erin Gianella. And Erin's journey to become a dog trainer began in 2014 when she noticed her own dog, Gus, having separation anxiety issues. She became more and more curious and passionate that she decided to leave the corporate world and learn as much as she could about being a dog trainer. Erin studied at the Karen Pryor Academy and became a Karen Pryor Academy certified training partner. Erin started Perfect Pals dog training in 2021 based in Denver, Colorado. She offers private training using positive reinforcement, science-based methods, Along with training, Erin also incorporates enrichment and management into the training plan to ensure all needs are being met. She is passionate about helping people build a bond with their dog and having them become a part of the family. So without further ado, welcoming to the podcast, Erin Gianella.
2: Thank you so much for having me on here with you.
1: So wonderful. Me and Tanya just talked about enrichment, got Tanya's take on enrichment. And obviously, words have different meanings to everyone. And so what does enrichment mean to you?
2: Yeah, so when I'm describing enrichment to my clients and just to people in general, I basically describe it as just like fun activities for our dogs to help keep them mentally stimulated, um, keep them busy, um, also enrich their, I guess enrich is part of the word, but, you know, help their problem solving skills. Um, but most importantly, meeting their needs as their, as a dog. So, you know, different breeds have different needs. So we want to make sure we pick the right things for the right breed for your dog. Um, and you know, it's, it's not just like a, like an option or like something fun to give your dog, which they can be really fun, but um, they're also for, you know, it's like a necessity for our dogs. They need this to be able to feel comfortable and feel like they can be happy and in a safe environment.
1: At least for me, let me ask the dumb question here. Is there a difference between playing with your dog and providing your dog enrichment? Maybe there's a lot of overlap there, but if I'm someone that says, Well, I play with my dog pretty often when we go outside, we play frisbee, blah, blah, blah. am I providing enrichment for my dog?
2: You are. Um, but it's not the only enrichment they might need, right? So, like, for, let's say you have a retriever, um, they love fetch, they love tug, they love, like, chasing after things and bringing them back to you, Um, but there's also a lot of other needs they need met. Um, So playing can definitely be a part of it, but it's more so, like, okay, so what else can we give them to make sure their needs are being met? How do we help them, um, you know, feel the most comfortable in whatever environment they're in so I do actually offer I tell people that playing with your dog like fetch tug anything like that um, is great enrichment too Mm.
1: so yeah it's almost like knowing the heritage of the dog and the background of the dog and really like a detective really keying in on all right what is my dog showing me that they need just instinctually and then crafting yeah. how to provide those things in your own life. I think that's pretty cool.
2: That's what I love when my clients, or just when I'm talking to people in general, when they um, when they like get those breed tests done to mm-hmm. see like all the different breeds of their dogs, because it really helps them know like, oh, my dog, you know, is heart beagle or hound or, you know, herder, so that then I can really tailor to what I'm offering them, because then it helps them to focus on what they're looking for. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was reading this book, so for those who are seeing the the video, oh. it's um <laughs> The canine enrichment
1: <laughs> from
0: the have real world. Too. I see we're both prepared. It's a really wonderful <laughs> book, and I I thought that the the history of enrichment was really interesting too. And I had prepared all of this information, but just to kind of summarize it, really started off with zoos because before the mid 20th century the zoos were really just a barren space where wild animals just lived in captivity with not much going on except for a daily meal which was not served in a way that will satisfy their instinctual needs either and there was this one man Dr. Markovich, who really started this movement of, hey, let's go out into the wild, let's observe the animals that we have in these zoos and let's see what are the main behavioral traits, what behaviors do they exhibit, like how do they get their meals, how do they satisfy their prey instincts and then really start to provide more and more of those environments for these animals because as time progressed, also zoos were not just for human entertainment, but really an important part of us conserving the, those populations of some animals that are d- disappearing from the wild. So. I thought it was a really interesting story. I definitely recommend this book for anyone interested in diving deeper. It just has so many good points there. And I thought it was, I'm just going to share, just to wrap up this point. In his book, like the most satisfying thing for him was when he constructed this forest for a white-handed gibbon in the enclosure and they provided the meals on top of the trees, so then he saw this given oh, cool. just uh, swinging on the tree and eating his meal and he just, uh, his heart was just so filled with satisfaction and for love with this animal, but also sadness on his part, knowing that there are so many other zoo animals who don't live this way yet and Yeah, I guess enrichment starting from there, really thinking about how can we understand these animals' needs and how can we provide for them so that they can really feel like they are doing what they're meant to do.
1: Yeah, or just feel alive.
2: Feel alive, yes. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, too, just like those zoo animals, I mean, we, our dogs are now domesticated, of course, Mm -hmm. but... You know, they were bred a long, long time ago to be foraging, to be, you know, herding or working, like whatever it is that their breed is. So if we take them and put them in our homes and just expect them to lounge all day, which my dog does, but also, you know, if, if we take them and don't give them any of these other outlets, like you're going to see that other places. And we don't want that either, or they're mm-hmm. just going to be upset and we don't want that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no,
1: it almost sounds cruel, right? Uh, we would breed them for a very specific yeah. purpose. And then and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, we don't need you for that anymore. And why don't you just lie here and, right. and look free? That that almost feels cruel, right? <laughs> uh, it also reminds me of, yeah. of pigeons. Uh, I heard pigeons back in the day was really vital for communication, for a variety, you know, in the war effort and all that. And then now we just forgot about them. We're like, yeah. all right. Do your own thing. We're good.
2: They may be happier. Maybe we who knows? Forgot about them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. I know they may be able to do their own thing now.
1: <laughs> so, obviously, a lot of your clients might come to you and say, "Aaron, I know this enrichment stuff is important for my dog, and I know I want to try it when I have time, but." Look, I, I barely have time to even just walk my dog. I have so many other things to do. What is your advice there when you hear something like that? Because I'm sure everyone has a really good intention, but there might be a priority that gets lost.
2: Yeah, which I get. I mean, it's totally understandable. It can be a little overwhelming sometimes when you, know, you come to a client and you're like, okay, we're gonna do this training and here's how you do it. Also, you need to do all these enrichment things and then also you need to manage or do all this management thing. So it's like, oh, my gosh, like I get how that can be overwhelming. So a lot of the times I try to do like one thing at each session and I say, try this, you know, for a week or two. Let me know how you like it. And if you, if it works, if it's too hard, then, um, or if it's like even time consuming or, or whatever, like let's switch it up. We'll find something else. There's so many different ways and things to do. Um, I also like, I, I really try and make it so apparent that, you know, eric- enrichment is part of the training plan. It's not, you know, just something on the side to do. It's so important that like, if we don't add the enrichment, we're not gonna see as much behavior change as we would like. Um, Because a lot of the times enrichment can solve a lot of some of these behavior problems you're seeing. Um, I mean, not always, but you know, sometimes when a dog is barking and letting us know, that's them letting us know that, hey, I need something, I need this, I'm bored, I need your help, I wanna do something. Or just other examples, right? If they have aggress- aggression, they might not know how to let get that outlet out. So um, it's a really, like, I try and explain to them that you're not going to see it change if we don't add this in there. And then, of course, I just try and make it easy because it really can be so easy. There's so many things around our homes that we can just use to help enrich our dog's lives.
1: Mm-hmm. So what would be some kind of main categories of enrichment? Uh, that you might incorporate into your own training plans or into the training plans of your own clients?
2: Yeah, there, you know, I think in the book that Tanya uh, referenced, I think there's like 13 or 14 actual different categories. Um, And, you know, not some of them people are already doing on their own without even realizing it, like um, exercise, of course, which exercise is enrichment. But, you know, people have that quote of, um, you know, a tired dog is a good dog, and that's not always true. Like, over-exercise can really cause our dogs to feel frustrated and, you know, even more tired at the end of the day. So, um, you know, there's things like that. There's also things like um, nutrition and safety that we already are providing for our dogs as enrichment categories. Um, But the ones that I think are more like attainable for us as, you know, pet parents are things like that involved like eating, sniffing, um, the tactile, so touching, anything that's cognitive that helps them think, um, you know, that actually puts them in this task to problem solve is a big one for me. Um, And then one of the most important ones that I don't know if people realize is actually like a category is calming. So how do we help our dog self regulate and calm down so that they can feel, you know, like they're at ease and relaxed and comfortable? Because um, you know, there's times during the day when your your dog is just like, Oh my gosh, I've exercised you, I've given you all the enrichment things. Um what else is there? And sometimes they just need a nap, you know, like a kid or even like us as adults, like they just need to relax and sleep. Um, So that's even a part of enrichment is helping them self-regulate and calm down.
0: For example, with our dog, some of the main categories that I use are really allowing him to sniff when we're on walks and oftentimes just allowing him to just walk whatever he wants to walk so i have him on a long leash and he wants to go in this direction and that totally works with me so i just follow him And then if he wants to stop and sniff over there, that totally works for me. I just stop there and he can sniff and he can do his thing and then we can move on. So he really loves these types of walks. So more of a sniffing walk rather than just reaching from point A to point B and then also a dog-directed walk. You know, you see those people Mm -hmm. that will ask you, who's walking who, if the dog is in front of you, but then (laughs) uh, just ignore them. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then he really, like, he so lights up if I provide meals in food dispensing toys. So even with clients, Just this week, I had a client whose dog just had this thing. After breakfast, they go up and the mom has to work and the dog is around there. The dog is hanging out, but the dog needs to keep busy. So how she started keeping busy is just by nibbling on the carpet and pulling out strings from the carpet. And then we had to go through the conversation of, well, you know, I wanna give her, food dispensing toys but I don't want to give her too much well how about we just don't feed in a food bowl and all the enrich all the meals that you're providing to this dog in the morning when you go up to the office are just going to be placed inside of a Kong you can have two different food dispensing toys where you can kind of separate out the portion and you can really do something like a low-fat low uh, yogurt type of thing that is really not adding yeah. much calories to the dog. So, yeah, food dispensing toys and then some sniffing. I find that when I work with clients, oftentimes for the dogs who are overly reactive, fearful, dogs who have issues with confidence, yeah. engaging them in sniffing activities can be a really, really great way to... Motivate them to engage with the environment and kind of build their confidence through completing some tasks that yeah. they find really gratifying.
1: So I, I'm really yeah. feeling a mindset change for me. I think enrichment in, in is something that I just thought was like making things fun and playing with the dog. But from listening to you guys talk about it, it seems like, at least for me, in short, it's about just letting your dog be as much of a dog within certain parameters yes. as possible as opposed to some possession that you have that you need to control well does that resonate with you guys
2: yes 100 percent. that's the that's the perspective change i like to see like with clients that tanya and i have is like let's change this perspective that like your dog has to be listening well of course you want them to listen to you but they have to be you know being this perfect dog every second of the day to like what do i need to give to my dog to make them feel more comfortable and like enjoying their life and like be a part of the family um i think i think um i don't remember tanya if you um Went to the aggression and dogs conference this year, but those the same two yep. women that wrote the canine enrichment um, book that we both have, they also did a talk on how adding enrichment to a plan for an aggressive dog um, mm-hmm. is like can really be helpful. They've seen a lot of change in it. They've seen like how all of these things can actually. Help your dog be less aggressive. And I thought that was so cool that, like, you know, that's what we want to see is that enrichment can help solve these problems that are really stressful for us as humans and for dogs as well.
0: Yeah, I can see it as really kind of harnessing this energy that they have into some other outlets that are more productive. And then at the end of the day, if the dog feels more fulfilled because they were able to do things that they enjoy. I can see how this is going to affect also their reactivity, and their, yeah, how they respond to triggers in the environment.
1: What are what are certain yeah. enrichment activities? Let's say I have an aggressive dog, and I'm like, oh, all right, all right, well, let, I need to provide an enrichment, you know, for my aggressive dog. What are some things that you guys might recommend as enrichment activities specifically for an aggressive dog?
2: Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of different options. Um, And of course, it can change depending on what the actual aggression, you know, issue might be. But the first thing I like to incorporate is is those calming um, enrichment activities. So anything that involves like sniffing, licking or chewing, um, all of those things. Of course, it can depend, you know differed based on each dog but um, those things help lower heart rate for dogs it helps calm them down Um, so anything like sometimes you know if my dog Gus is reactive on walks and um, he likes to bark at people as they're coming towards us so sometimes if I see that happening I'll just do a quick treat scatter in the grass and not only does it distract him but it also the sniffing and like the chewing of the trees kind of helps bring him back down to his normal level um and for dogs like especially who are aggressive or have some aggression in them it takes them longer to kind of bring down their heart rate. So, like, if humans like us have a stressful day or stressful moment, you know, sometimes it takes us a couple hours to calm down. And it's almost longer for dogs as well. Like, sometimes it takes them, like, a day or two. So, um, these activities help. So, I always do, like, treat scatter, snuffle mats, lick mats. um, You know, maybe a bully stick. And sometimes with dogs, bully sticks can get them really, like, excited. But it can also help regulate a little bit. So those are the things I always do, but then I also look at their needs, right? So if they're a herding dog that um, has some aggression, I'm like, okay, what can we do to get these outlets of aggression somewhere else? So can we do like a flirt pull and have them chase around this stuffed animal to get them, you know, get that need met and calm down? Mm. Um, Can we have them sniff out something? Just a lot of different options. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, these... These are pretty much what I would do too. I was just, as you were talking about it, you know, of having um, a stressful day and how do we bring the dog down. I was thinking about us as humans. We have so many enrichment opportunities and we use enrichment all the time. So, for example, if we've been stressed, probably meeting up with friends and going out it can be enrichment activity that can help us or um, going to a museum or a cinema or doing things. Like our lives are actually filled with enrichment that yeah. we kind of pick and choose from in whatever way that works best for us. And we consciously or subconsciously choose these different types of enrichment, depending on the day that we're having or the stressors oh. that we're experiencing so that we can make our days feel a little bit better
1: no i think that's a great point yes um, i i think we forget that those things are enrichment activities for us we just call it living our lives <laughs> but like we're trying to manage our emotional life all the time
2: yeah seriously though that's you're so right because it's like you know, that's meeting our needs, you know, calming ourselves down or releasing stress and tension. Like it's the same thing for our dogs, except they can't do that on their own. You know, they need Mm, us to help get them there other than like, you know, if there's toys and things out, but you know, they need us for that. So that's why I'm always like, you know, it's not really, not that I'm trying to sound like, you know, so serious, but like, you know, it's, it's very like, it's a necessity for them. It's, they need it you know, it's hard for people to, and I get it, to kind of adjust their life. Like, well, I I just don't want my dog chewing on this furniture. I just don't want my dog to sniff on walks. I just want them to walk with me. Like, it's definitely a perspective change because we're used to just taking our dog for an hour walk and then being done for the day. And it's hard. It's a big perspective change. But I think, you know, I always try and say, like, Let's just try it for a week or two. Let's see what happens. And it's rare that, I'm sure, Tanya, you feel the same way. Like, it's rare that you see someone come back and be like, my dog hated it. They got worse. You know what I mean? It's like, I always try and just get them to at least try it once. and, And then that you can usually see like, oh, well, actually this worked. Or finding things around the household. Like, I'll bring like an empty toilet paper roll. And, like, show them all the things they can do with it for enrichment. And they're like, oh, that's easy. Like, I can put treats in this and have my dog get, you know. So I try to make it super simple, too. Yeah. Yeah, those are actually some of my
0: favorites where you can just use household items or pretty much trash in order to create enrichment for the dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love doing this with um with egg cartons. So once we finish all the eggs, I just... Yes. Put a few treats in it, and I place it down on the ground and our dog just loves it. With this one, it kind of goes into that desire to rip things up so he will just rip up the whole thing. yeah, yeah the 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 toilet paper or the kitchen towel rolls are some really great ones. We've also yeah. done um, the the tin. The um, cupcake tins where you can put some things and then put some balls or cover it up. So this is more of sniffing and kind of digging through in order to get to the thing or boxes. Actually, in our household, um, delivery boxes are for the cats because they, they just really like to sit inside of them. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever we have the box out, there is a cat sitting inside of it. So it's not a dog activity. It's a cat activity. But, you know, they're a little more limited. So we definitely let them have that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am. Um... I do all of those things that you say, too, like, for our clients or just for Gus. But another one that I really like is, um, I just did this this morning with a client, is, like, the find it game where, because she is a, um, like, a herding and um, hound breed. So she, um, we would, like, hide a small bowl of treats, like, in the corner of their room behind the couch or something. And mm-hmm. we say find it, and she goes and sniffs it out and find it. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, a great task one that meets their needs that it's fun for them you know they get an instant reward the second they find it also it's really great for days like this morning where you know you're like I don't want to go out and take my dog for a walk I just want to you know stay in where it's warm like that was like a great one for her so it was fun to like see her do it and then like she was napping right after because it was mm-hmm. so fun to do these different things the whole day or the whole morning yeah
0: yeah absolutely
1: would you say enrichment is uh, is a concept that people already kind of know about before you guys start working with your clients, or it's a it's a fairly new concept that you're teaching them uh, during your sessions? Um,
2: I think people like the term enrichment; they might not have actually heard that word before used for it but I think a lot of people are doing it I think a lot of people you know have the puzzles the toys the two bones um, you know the walks they I think they have it all the only thing that I think us as trainers come in and do is like tweak it and that we help focus it on what that specific breed is right so like I'm not going to give a dog that is a, you know, herding breed, I'm not going to give him only, like, puzzle toys or only sniffing toys. Like, we might add in some different task-oriented enrichment games to play. And so a lot of people are doing all the – they're doing the things. They just need maybe, like, a direction shift or something.
0: Yeah, and oftentimes it seems like for just the normal pup parent is, yeah, they just have bought the puzzles or the Kongs and they know that there are some food dispensing toys. But I think that they actually struggle with the implementation so even if they have the puzzle it may mm-hmm. be like oh my dog just solves it in one minute and then doesn't care or hey, I, I gave him a Kong but he thought it was too difficult so then you know he just gave up and I just gave up on it so I think it uh, for us is really yeah. finding ways to support our clients in the best ways that they can use the, the tools and the toys that they already have plus as Erin is saying, just crafting a more personalized way, plus adding some, you know, just basic, simple stuff that we can find within our homes and outside in our environment
2: as enrichment,
0: that kind of puts the whole picture together. Yeah.
2: And then there's that opposite side of it too, of like, you know, like you were saying, like some dogs figure it out like super quick. So, you know, you have to find ways to make it more difficult. But then there's some dogs either older or it's just not in their breed or nature to do those things. Um, like, we don't want to make it too difficult either. Yeah. Um, like, I have this, this like Westpaw Quizzle. I don't know if you've seen one, but like my dog hates it because it's really, really hard for mm-hmm. him to figure out. So like we wouldn't give him that hard of a, yeah. of a task, but you know, there's other things that we can give him that are easier. Um, and cause then you don't want them to get frustrated, right? Cause then you're right back where you started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
1: You talked about some enrichment activities for aggressive dogs. Would you say that there's some enrichment activities for Maybe scared or anxious dogs. You know, let's say you just got uh, a dog from the rescue, and you know they're a little skittish. What are enrichment activities maybe to build their confidence? Would you guys recommend?
2: Or puppies, maybe. Yeah, or puppies. Cover puppies. Yeah, too. puppies too. Yes. <laughs> um, anything for puppies and for like nervous or like anxious, stressed dogs. Um, I liked like exactly what you said. Anything that's gonna build confidence. Um, Which means like you don't have, you know, if you have another dog in the house, you don't let them help with it. Um, But like starting out with like what Tanya said, like an easier puzzle toy, like an egg carton with just like a treat in it. Maybe you show them the treats in there. You show them that they can get it. And then maybe you close it. And then they try and figure that out themselves. So anything that can build that confidence of doing it on their own. Um, I like, that's what I like to do for anxious dogs, along with those calming ones we talked about for aggression, because if they're already in a heightened state of like stress or anxiety, um, we never want them to be over threshold. So, like, let's bring them back down. Let's, you know, let's give them these calming things after an exciting walk or, you know, the, the delivery package was, um, came today. So let's, you know, he was barking. Let's, let's calm down. Let's give him something to sniff. So definitely along with building confidence, let's also give those calming um, activities as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for puppies, I will really add those food dispensing toys. So really no need to feed in a bowl. If you have this busy puppy that yes. is requiring your attention every minute of the day, give them a food dispensing toy and let them do something by themselves. Let them figure it out. Yeah. That can be a really productive way of using up kibble versus 30 seconds in a bowl together with chewing. So really satisfying those uh, needs for being mouthy and exploring with their mouths. Yeah, together with the sniffing and the calming activities too. Because oftentimes for puppies, it seems like the off switch is (laughs) pretty difficult. (laughs) It's either 100% or they're completely passed out. So kind of teaching them how to relax. Um, can be a really
2: great uh, starting point as well. Yeah, I, um, you know, that's how puppies uh, learn about the world, right, is by, like, sniffing and chewing. So it's, we can't, we can't stop them from doing those things. But, like, you do, like, with, I think, you always post it on your Instagram, but, like, how you always feed your dog out of a, um, like, a Kong or a Topple or something, um, I love that because, like, you still want to give them those outlets so they can learn. But you know, we don't want it on your arms and <laughs> the the table or anything like like that. So yeah, I love that.
1: So when you guys are working with your clients, you know, maybe that first session they're like, "All right, this is something I really want to do." And maybe just like every other thing in their life, you know, they do it for a couple of days and then maybe they fail at it. So. Are there some little quick tips that you guys, you know, pass on to your clients to, you know, keep it top of mind, keep them committed to it and make sure that they provide at least a small bit of enrichment uh, for their dogs?
2: Yeah, I think I think like one of the number one things is exactly what Tanya was just saying is feeding out of a food dispensing toy or something. I think that's probably one of the easiest things you can do to provide enrichment if you can't do anything else because you know you have to feed them two or three times a day so put it in this bowl or this kong or this thing that makes it you know fun and a little bit more difficult for them and it really really helps if you can't do much. Um, I also especially for puppies but just in general like Once you start doing these things, if you stop doing them, you can see the difference. You're like, oh, she or he is barking more. Um, You know, he Mm. is chewing on things more. He wants my attention more. Like, you see it after you've been doing it for a while. So a lot of people are self-motivated in that they are like, oh, actually, this works. Like, I just want to do it. And I have them stick to, like, a few things. And then if they need more, we throw some more in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for for me, it it, re- it really is rewarding just because of our dog's reaction. Like as soon as I pull the thing out, he just is so happy, and it makes me happy seeing him so yes. happy. So that's really a built-in reward. Uh, just thinking about how to stay consistent. It, it could be a way yes just make sure that it's the meal or it can be something like this morning when i sit down to drink a cup of coffee maybe i'm gonna do some i'm gonna scatter some kibble or treats around for my dog to sniff out so yeah. maybe it can be a way for us to incorporate these new ha- habits on top of older habits um, currently reading the Atomic Habits book by James Clear. And I thought that this was really interesting, just thinking about helping clients uh, become successful in incorporating these things. So one of the main ideas on making new habits stick is really uh, building them upon our own habits. So it can be your morning coffee is paired with this activity, um, whatever your uh lunchtime break is paired with that activity or evening break when you sit down to watch tv then you provide this activity and really thinking about how to pair with an existing habit and also what i am going to focus on doing more is uh, thinking about when and where so when the person creates the picture of at this time of the day I'm going to be in this place and this is how I'm going to do it you already have them envision doing the activity the chances of them being successful are much higher so I thought that was really interesting
2: that's really cool I love that
0: Yeah, they did these studies in the UK and they had people wanting to exercise, let's say, and they had one group where they don't actually do much. Then they had another group which had like motivational materials and some benefits on why they should exercise. And then they had a third group which was uh, needing to say when and where what time of the day where are they going to exercise and really envision that and they found the For example, between the first two groups, there wasn't big, maybe it was about 30 something percent of success, but like the last group where they actually had to outline the place and what they were doing and how they were going to do it, they had this close to 90% success on actually uh, completing the task and increasing how much they exercise. So I thought that was really interesting.
2: That is really interesting, that's so cool. That reminds me of a story, like, with a client I had where, it's pretty funny, like, every morning it was this, um, it was this, like, you know, chubby, cute, big bulldog, and every morning when she would get up, like, brush her teeth, start, you know, getting ready for the day, doing her hair and makeup, like, he would just start humping her, Um, (laughs) and it it is funny, but, you know, a lot of people think, like, oh, it's the alpha, or it's you know, she wants my attention or whatever it is, or she, he wants my attention. Um, but a lot of times that's like a display of, you know, one, maybe not knowing how to play or two, um, like they just need an outlet for this energy they have. So instead what we did was, you know, every morning when she would start getting ready, she'd go get this Westpaw toy, um, fill it with all these different layers of like kibble, yogurt, you know, vegetables, all these different things that, you know, kept him excited when, um, you know, and interested and So not only did it help her keep getting ready and not, you know, distracted by her dog humping um, her, but it also helped with like meet his needs and keep him busy while all this stuff was going on. So like, I really thought that was, you know, a cool example of like what you were just saying. It's like form this habit of every morning I'm going to get ready. I'm going to shower, do my hair makeup. So then let's every day also build in this enrichment that we'll give to our dog as well.
1: No, I, I love what you said earlier, Aaron. It just, it seems that just kind of watching your dog, seeing the behavior your dog is exhibiting and just knowing that all that is connected to, let's say the other things that happen in that dog's day or even in that week, because you know, dogs are living beings. Yeah. Uh, they have their own needs and just keying in on being like, oh, I wonder why my dog is doing this. Oh, it's probably connected to not having as much enrichment in the morning or whatever. Because if you think about us, our our day-to-day behavior can be so different, right? The way we think and the things that we do. But if you kind of notice it, it's really going back to uh, all the things and the triggers and the things that happen during our day when you kind of zoom out a little bit.
2: Yes, I totally agree. And like, that's what I try to help with clients, like I know we talked about it earlier. It's like how do we make it simple for people? Um, because it's a necessary thing, but it's also it can be hard. So how do we make it simple? It's like, okay, my dog's barking. Like, what are they barking about? Okay, so do they are they hungry? No. Do they need exercise? No. Like did are they tired? No. So okay, let's give them something to work on and sometimes you'll see it and they will just like instantly calm down so it's like I kind of change that perspective of like oh I'm so annoyed which I get it barking and chewing can be frustrating Mm -hmm. but you know like what can we do to help them because usually those things are signs of like okay I need something I want something
0: yeah yeah if we try to suppress I guess it's a battle that we need to keep fighting because the need will still be there and will still need to be displayed. So Mm -hmm. yeah, suppression is not really helping us in the long run, seeing where the need is coming from and figuring out how we can channel into something that works for everybody. I think it's a lot better for us to focus on rather than thinking about how to just make it stop because we just can't
2: take it anymore. That's the same thing, which could be like a whole nother conversation at this point. But like this is why we don't want to suppress like even when we're doing training with, you know, any type of behavior or aggression just because like suppressing anything behavior or, um, you know, their needs that they actually have to have like that's going to create a more stressed or anxious or aggressive, you know, or, you know bad mannered dog than you would think in the long run, so.
1: And this just automatically makes me think of parenting, right? If your kid is exhibiting certain behaviors, certain tendencies, certain interests, isn't it the parent's job to kind of channel that energy towards something that is engaging for them? Because the behavior is just gonna be acted out and maybe some negative behaviors and that's what you're gonna see. Uh, yeah. And in those moments, I could understand a parent being like, can you just stop freaking out right now? That'd be great. <laughs> but if you're like, OK, here's a dance class I could take you to. Here's a theater class I could take you or a painting class. I mean, don't parents do that? And what I seem to be hearing is dog parents should be doing much the same and they should be thinking, hey, here, yes. here's something I get them to do. Here's something I get them to do because I'm seeing my dog.
0: Yeah. And also the point to that is if i see that my child is artistic and they are interested in play or music then you can't just force them to t- to take sports and to be a sporty person mm. because that's what we wanted our kid to be because they that doesn't work for them it's not their interest so really seeing what we have in front of us and what the needs are what this individual requires and then really working with them to provide it it's a more effective way
2: Yes I love that I use that example all the time with um, with clients who have children is like okay why if you know just like when you're at a store and you're kid starts crying and throwing a temper tantrum like immediately you go to of course this is frustrating but like what can we do to help them stop crying right so mm-hmm. do we yeah. do they need a nap do they need a snack do they need something to play with like it's it's the exact same thing so i love that you said that
1: yeah i mean look at any mother's like stroller right before they even take their kid out their strollers chock full of you know, snacks and food and books and everything because they're ready. They, they ready. know <laughs> stuff is going to happen. So like, I, I'm not going to be caught off guard here. I'm, I'm going to make sure that my, my baby is uh, enriched as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So cool. Uh, is there any favorite enrichment activities you have for your household?
2: I have, my dog is Gus, and he is a mix between a corgi and a beagle, so you have, like, that hound slash um, herding in there. So his favorite things are decompression walks and, like, sniff walks, so we have a little field, like... Two or three blocks from our house, and sometimes we'll just walk there and sniff the whole field and, like, not even walk very far. And that's like his favorite thing, along with, um, I mean, he probably destroys like 10 stuffed toys within, you know, a few weeks because he just loves to destroy and get all the stuffing and the squeak out. So those are his two favorite, you know, things sniffing and, um, hurting. Yeah, it's
0: funny because our dog is just so methodical when he gets a new toy and how he destroys it. Like, you know, tails and ears usually go first and then limbs. Painful. It sounds so painful. (laughs) He just has his own strategy and he just follows it every time.
2: (laughs) I I think it's funny. (laughs) It's so cute.
1: I mean, it just reminds me... Um, you know just between the two of you like what are like maybe three popular breeds um that you guys encounter a lot and what would be the kind of behavioral tendencies um that you see for those for those specific breeds
2: i think for me the first one that i get a lot of is like a retriever so a lab or a golden retriever and um, a lot of people you know have this idea of like you know this retriever is going to be lounging all day we're not going to be you know um, crazy and have a lot of energy because that's how they are when they get older but um, you see a lot of that so you see a lot of retrievers that like they don't have any outlets to um, to get through throughout the day. I see a lot of terriers like small terriers because um, a lot of times people don't think you know small dogs need the same type of training as bigger dogs which sometimes is true but they still need their needs met. Um, And then probably I don't know the third one that I see a lot of I don't know, Tanya, I mean, what do you think? Mine,
0: all all of mine three are doodles. <laughs> all types oh of gosh. Doodles. Yes. <laughs> so it can be any type of doodle and yeah, it's a lot of keeping them busy. They're dogs who just love to be engaged. So really that food dispensing category, sniffing categories, alert falls, fetching. work like training as an enrichment um Mm -hmm. activity as well just having that connection with their human and kind of following directions and things to do yeah i think those are really the the main pubs that i see on a daily basis
1: wait so going back to retrievers would you say that I mean, this might be a simple one, but if someone has a retriever, hey, make sure to do enrichment activities related to them retrieving things. W- would you say that's accurate?
2: Yes, absolutely. So, um, like, fetching seems like an easy one, but it's so it, it's so great for um, for retrievers. I we had my sister actually has an English Stream ret- retriever and. Um, you know, we've taught her a few things and I've done this with other retrievers where like, you know, you, they come in the door you, and they're so excited to see you. So we taught them to retrieve a toy. So they're not like barking, you know, it's incompatible with barking or, you know, chewing cause they're so excited. So like even teaching tasks like that are great enrichment for them. Um, but yeah, it's like retrievers are It's like, what can we do to get them to go get us this thing and bring it back to us? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and for retrievers, I've also noticed the sniffing aspect because for a lot of, like, um, the Labrador retrievers that I work with, like, they put their nose on the ground and they just start making, like, these grunting sounds and they're on it. (laughs) They've caught a scent and they just... They were on it. I was like, oh, "Oh, there is the sound." It happens with some dogs, but it's just like that, <laughs> you know. It's like that hunting dog wanting to yeah. go after a trail, something they discovered.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like they're hyper focused on it too. Yeah, yeah, single, single task oriented i find that um retrievers need um retrievers need a lot of, more of the calming enrichment training so sometimes because they're just so excited and have so much energy is they need like a designated nap time almost like a child like you know i just call it like a little zen den of like maybe an x pen or a bed where they're super comfortable and can just like sit and relax and chew or lick or sniff on something because they just don't know how to calm down so they just need that time to relax
1: and and i think i heard you mention terriers as well so what are specific behaviors that you know you want to kind of encourage because it's kind of instinctual for them
2: Yeah, I like to, um, I like tasks for them as well. It's a little different than like a herding breed that like need to chase after things. But terriers need like a lot of um, like tasks to do. So I like what Tanya was saying is like short training sessions throughout the day that help capture their focus but with, with, like, learning and doing things and versus, like, go chase this ball, which they do like, but it's not, like, their 100% favorite thing. So I like tasks. I like the sniffing around. I like um, training. I think those are good things for the three um, or for a terrier.
0: Yeah, and for terriers, oftentimes we may discover some of those, the digging issues, um, oh, yes. because it is such an innate instinct that has been ingrained in them they, a lot of the smaller breeds do like digging so for that um, we do recommend creating a designated digging area instead of trying to fight the digging I just want the digging to stop okay i accept that this dog that i have really likes digging digging is a part of their dna so how can i provide them with an opportunity to dig that is okay with me and it's not destroying my whole landscaping so it usually is um, a mixture between managing making sure that the dog is not out there unsupervised the period where we're getting them used to you know going to their digging spot and i usually like to um, hide things inside so uh, bury some toys or treats or bones so that they can when they go to their digging hole they are encouraged because there are all these interesting things and really get it started from there yeah
2: i love that
1: well, great. I think that's a good place to end. Is there a place where people can learn more about you learn more about perfect pals? How can people get connected with you?
2: Yeah, sure. So you can have them follow me on Instagram at perfect pals underscore dog training or um, all my information about the training I provide and um, how all my methods are at my website at perfect pals, dog com.
0: Wonderful.
1: Well, great. Well, it was wonderful to have you on, Aaron. Uh, we got so many insights, especially for me. I feel like the way I kind of looked at enrichment at the beginning of the podcast to where I kind of ended up today was not what I expected.
2: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and I'm glad that um, we helped change your perspective. <laughs>
1: just listened to the family pups podcast with your hosts tanya and charles lim subscribe to our podcast to catch our latest episodes if you like the show please make sure to share and review us on your favorite podcast app and for links to anything we mention in the episode check out our show notes and don't forget to visit familypups.com slash podcast to listen to past episodes of the family pups podcast including episodes on separation anxiety with melania de martini price Unpredictable Aggression with Michael Shikashio, Fearful Dogs with Debbie Jacobs, Puppy Socialization with Marge Rogers and Eileen Anderson, and many, many more.